Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father through our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that this is the day that you have made, and so we rejoice and we are glad in it. We come before the King, we lay down our coats, we lay down our branches, and we shout Hosanna in unison with those who gathered. Uh, Lord, we know wholeheartedly, though, just like those folks, we also can be fickle in our lives. Um, and so those Hosannas turn to crucify him, crucify him later in the week. And uh, we repent of that, uh, and yet we learn not only from them, but from our own lives on how we better serve others and serve as missionaries in our own lives. So Lord, be with us. Let your words permeate in our hearts and in our heads. And Lord, uh, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight, O Rock, and our Redeemer and Lord. Amen. We're going to talk about two prades today. This is a week of two prades that Jesus is at the center of. The first prade is the one that we heard about just in the gospel lesson where he is paraded into town on the back of a donkey and the crowds gather with him and they're excited to see him and they crowd in on him and they lay down palm branches and they yell, Hosanna in the highest. He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then later on in the week, of course, we hear about this march to the cross in which Jesus is carrying his cross and he's being mocked and criticized and looked down upon. And the first one that we want to focus on for today really is the parade of Palm Sunday. And I don't know about you, but I feel like I was actually there. Now, now I obviously wasn't actually there back in 30 AD-ish. Uh, I was actually there on June 19th or June 21st of 2016. You see, June 19th, 2016 might not mean much to any of you who are watching this, but to me, it is etched in my brain. It was the night before I was supposed to fly into Cleveland, Ohio. And I flew into Cleveland, Ohio on the 20th of June, 2016, one day after LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers had won their first championship. It was a time of excitement. It was a time of weirdness. It was a time in which I booked my hotel on a Saturday and I flew in to visit a mission in Cleveland that helps refugees and people who are poor and diverse and overlooked and underestimated. And the hotels were cheap, right in downtown. Great place to stay, don't rent a car, Ubers are plenty. And on Sunday, I went back to look at the price of hotels and I realized there was going to be a party in the city and I was going to be in the midst of it. And so that first day when I showed up, everybody's spirits are high. It's the 20th, it's the day after Cleveland wins the championship. Everyone's excited. People are just thrilled to be alive and from Cleveland. In fact, they had changed their name, not only from Cleveland, but they now started calling themselves Believe Land because they knew that there was a chance that they could win a championship because the king himself, LeBron James, was on their side. And so it was on June 21st, 2016, I woke up from my hotel room and I tried to get an Uber and there was no Ubers available. And so Cleveland has this really interesting subway system that was built in the heyday of Cleveland, the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s. Cleveland, home of the first gas station, I guess, that's a thing. 
But as I was on that subway and I was going out west to the suburbs to go serve and to learn about this refugee center, there was nobody on my trains and every single overpass, every single station was crammed with 20,000 people, it seemed, trying to get on a train to get into town to catch a glimpse of the king as he rode around, not on a donkey, but in a convertible with no top on it. And so as I went out and spent my day with refugees who had no clue what was happening in the city, all of a sudden the city of Cleveland had gone from a population of 400,000 people and was now estimated to be at about 1.3 million for this particular set of hours on June 21st, 2016. And as I came back into town, the parades had ended. I had spent my days learning about citizenship classes and learning about the food bank and learning about ESL classes that had been set up to help refugees who came from all over the world and had been placed in Cleveland of all places. And as I came back into town, I got to catch a glimpse of the aftermath of what happened. There are police officers everywhere. There are people passed out on the streets. There were beer bottles shattered and liquor bottles put everywhere. And there were very few people left in the city. It was a long day for me, but it seemed to be a lot longer for them as well. And it, this kind of helped me capture in my mind what it might have been like in Jerusalem, a town of 50 to 60,000 people at the time, that it would expand to 250 to 500,000 people during Passover week and people crowded into town. And on this particular Passover week, at this particular time, Jesus comes into town and the crowds need to catch a glimpse of this miracle worker, the one who could heal the blind, the one who could give the deaf the ability to hear, the one who could make the lame walk. And according to our lesson, who knew about Lazarus, who had been dead and now risen again. And so we have this incredible vision of what it might have been like for Jesus to come into town and people to do whatever it took to get there. And so I started thinking, as I was in Cleveland, was this what it was like when Jesus came into town? And so I thought to myself, what can I learn about these crowds and about what people do and how they are acting when they have the chance to celebrate and to catch a glimpse of the king, the one who is different and special? I realize people are willing to do just about anything, including flock into town, lay down their cloaks, lay down palm branches, and hail someone as the king of the Jews, yelling Hosanna to God in the highest, without actually knowing him or the whole story, but knowing for that one moment, in that one particular time, how excited they were to see who this king was. What I also learned that day is that people are fickle. You see, people in Cleveland told me, if you think this is Cleveland at its finest, just give it a few months. We're hosting the Republican National Convention here, and you will see Cleveland at its absolute worst. And so what I realized in that moment is that um, as Cleveland Indians had a great season, they were leading to Game 7 loss to the Cubs, that Cleveland would go back to being Clevelanders. People would be sad about sports again and it'd be kind of a dreary place to live and maybe a bad place to be from. And kind of just like the people we saw in the gospel text today, they go from these shouts of acclamation of, Lord, you are the king of the world. You are the king of the Jews, Hosanna, to shouts of crucify him, discard him, beat him, mock him, scorn him, 
put him on a tree, put him in the grave. We saw our glimpse of the king, and now we've moved on. But I also realized that I don't know what it was like in Jerusalem, but I'm guessing the people who laid down their cloaks and their palm branches didn't pick them back up. And so what I realized is that people make a mess. And they leave behind a mess. And when crowds come in and they take over and they are only there for a short time, they sort of just leave. And other people are forced to clean up the mess. And in this case with Jesus, the government was there to handle the mess, to handle the anxiety and the anger and the fickleness of people. Now, the question I could ask, too, is what could we learn about the king? Now, I'm not saying LeBron James is anywhere near Jesus, and obviously you would agree with that. And if you said it, I'd get fired, so let's not tell anyone, that sort of thing. But they do have the ability to draw a crowd, and people will do just about anything to see someone special to associate. In today's world, if you could just get a picture and put them on your social media then you would be popular amongst your friends. And I can imagine in Jerusalem, people went and they said, we were there for Passover and we heard the crowds gathering and we heard about this Jesus who could do miracles, who could, who could teach with authority that only God could do, who could walk on water. And they could go back and tell their friends, I was there. I was at the event, like my memory. <laughs> Now, Jesus and LeBron are obviously two different people, and they have two different things, and so LeBron James will eventually fade, and he's had to move on to try and win more championships and do those sort of things. People always think of the good days in Cleveland, and Jesus obviously hangs on a cross, but then doesn't stay in the tomb. He bursts forth triumphantly from the grave. And Jesus has this authority that comes, and Jesus is the one who takes away the sin of the world. And so the people yelling Hosanna that day were saying true things. Just not sure they realized it. And as I think of Palm Sunday, and I think of what this means for us, and I look back at the scripture lesson from Zechariah, and I hear about how this was projected and planned and predicted, prophesied, hundreds of years earlier that this Jesus would come in riding not on a powerful horse, but on a donkey. I realize that God has an incredible plan that doesn't just extend way before Jesus, in fact, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, but it extends all the way to us in 2021. So what can we learn about this story and about the crowds and about the people and about this Jesus that can affect our lives and the way we view the world, and the way we view people. And I would argue that just like the people in this story, and just like the people in 2016 Cleveland, the people here in Hawaii and wherever you may be viewing from are people, which means they don't change all that much. They're sinful, broken human beings who are willing to do anything to get a chance and a glance at fame, to be connected, to be with the in crowd. But they're also fickle people who one day will say Jesus is Lord and I'm giving my life to him and I have accepted or I have received the Holy Spirit into my life. And it shouldn't shock you when years later they go, yeah, that was a fad. That was a thing. And people always tend to leave messes. <laughs> and sometimes we have to clean them up. Sometimes you have to clean them up. Sometimes the church has to clean them up. And what I pray for you and for me is that we can see this story not focusing so much on the donkey and about this great waving of palm branches, but we can focus on people 
And Jesus, the unifier, the one who brings them together, who even though they hailed him as king, they hung him on a cross, and eventually he rose for them. Broken people in a broken world do some crazy things. Whether it's crashing airplanes into a tower, whether it's disobeying laws and not taking pandemics seriously, or whether it's shooting up a grocery store of people they don't know, even know. People are fickle. People do crazy things. People leave messes. And people act on their own behalf very often. And yet Jesus comes for people. And he came for them and he comes for the people of Cleveland and he comes for us today. And he comes for the broken people who don't necessarily even realize they need him. And this Jesus who is the king of the world, the king of the Jews, we shout Hosanna to because of our own brokenness and our own short-sightedness and our own shortfalls, he still loves us. And he still says, you are worth it. I love you. And I was sent by my father to willingly die on the cross. Even though I didn't deserve it, but you did. And because I love you, because you value, I value you, I'm going to die for you. And now live your life with a purpose to love and care for others. Having received mercy, be merciful. Having received grace, be gracious. And having been loved, now love. Even to people who are going to mess up, who are going to hurt you, who are going to leave a mess, and who might do irrational things. Because you're the people that Jesus loved. Now go love the world. It's in his name that I pray it for every one of us. Amen.